1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. After a winter that wouldn't let go and a spring marked by heavy rain and flooding, what's an amateur gardener to do? I talk with gardening guru Mark Cullen. And on the 32nd anniversary of his groundbreaking Man in Motion tour, Rick Hansen is launching another campaign to improve accessibility. But first, hear your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Colon cancer rates are down significantly in people over 50 in two dozen countries, including Canada. But it's on the rise in younger adults. The lead researcher of a new study in The Lancet suspects the rise is due to obesity and poor diet. The study looked at long-term data for colon and rectal cancer in a number of countries and concluded the decline in older people is partly due to routine screening
0: my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans.
1: How's that for a graduation gift? When he made his commencement speech, billionaire philanthropist Robert F. Smith surprised graduates of Morehouse College in the U.S. by announcing his family will pay to eliminate all the student debt for the entire 2019 class. That's estimated at $40 million. The 56-year-old also encouraged the graduates... To pay it forward. It's an impressive list that includes Gloria Steinem, Tom Ford, and Michelle Obama. Now add Barbie to the list of these prestigious honorees of the Council of American Fashion Designers. The doll is being honored to celebrate Barbie as a fashion icon that also coincides with her 60th anniversary. The selection committee says Barbie has had a wide influence on American fashion and culture. A human presumably will pick up the award at the June 3rd ceremony. Science says we should be reading books, and yet 26% of American adults haven't read a book within the past year. Yale researchers say people over 50 who read for 30 minutes a day live an average of 23 months longer than non-readers. Reading improves vocabulary, thinking skills, and can impact empathy and emotional intelligence. Researchers say challenge yourself to read 50 books a year. Talk about a rarefied life. At 93, the Queen visited a supermarket for just the third time ever. She was intrigued by self-service checkouts at a central London store and questioned whether customers are able to, quote, cheat and leave without paying. The monarch appeared engaged as she viewed produce from bygone eras and was struck by changing tastes when she was shown the contents of a modern-day shopping basket. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your headlines from around the world. More than half of Canadian households maintain a garden, and we spend about $4 billion a year doing it. But this season's weather is throwing a curve. With heavy rains and floods and cold that just won't quit, I reached out to gardening guru Mark Cullen for some advice.
2: This means everything's late. You know, everybody's very aware of the amount of rain that we've had, Libby, but it's the cold weather. It's, it's cool evening temperatures have really, they haven't slowed things down. It's just things haven't had a chance to speed up. So if you, if you look, for instance, at the leaves on trees as a simple benchmark of how far behind we actually are, I recall, uh, in my experience, Maple trees, for instance, being in full leaf generally by the end of the first week of May. Well, here we are near the end of May, and they're just now coming into full leaf. Two weeks, I would say, we're behind.
1: Two weeks we're behind, and we've had a whole lot of rain. How does that affect things? Is it good, bad?
2: We had a drought four years ago, and I promised myself after we went over 12 weeks without significant rain, I said to myself at the time, I am never going to complain about too much rain after living through this drought. And so is it a good thing? It's not an especially good thing because there's been so much of it. Is it a bad thing? That all depends on where you live. If you're on high land, it's not a bad thing. If you're on lowland, land, it's, it's pretty soggy out there, and, and you have to be a little careful that you don't ruin the soil by walking on it if it's just mud. But if it's well-drained, you can get out there and get working right now.
1: So you're talking about all the flooding, and we know we can expect more of the same because of climate change. So people who are affected by flooding, um, that affects their gardening too.
2: Uh, it does, and, and so does the nature of your soil. We live in the Clay Belt, you know, virtually all of southern Ontario anyway. Uh, when the glaciers drag through here, they left behind a limestone-based soil that tends to be very dense.
1: What should gardeners be doing as we speak?
2: Add lots and lots, and I mean lots, of organic matter. So I know your next question will be, well, what's organic matter? Composted, composted um, cattle manure, uh, sheep manure shrimp manure, like really good quality, well-composted, weed-free manure works. The compost from your composter, the compost that municipalities sell or give to you, you know, it varies from municipality, municipality, uh, but compost at least two centimeters thick, an inch thick over my entire garden. You know, I use 40 cubic yards of compost mixed with some sharp sand. Over my entire garden every year.
1: Now, my husband very proudly pointed last weekend to the vast amount of mulch he put down. Does that qualify?
2: Well, eventually it does because if he's talking about bark mulch, like finely shredded uh, pine or cedar bark mulch, then it takes a year or two for it to break down. But as it breaks down, it's providing uh, natural nutrients and and fiber for the soil. So ultimately what you want, Libby, is soil that when you grab it in the in your hand and you make a fist with it and then open your hand and then bounce that soil in the palm of your hand, it should fall apart. And if it falls apart after you've made that fist, you've got good friable soil that'll grow just about anything. If you don't, you've got to add some more organic matter and and make sure that it's got a little bit of sand in it cuz that helps break it up.
1: What about grass? I know a lot of people think grass is bad. It just takes up too much resource.
2: <laughs> that's a that's a big club, you know. I say that To all the environmentalists who say growing a lawn is a bad thing, I say a lawn is like a potato. A potato on its own is good for you. It's full of vitamin C. It's full of fiber. It's just got a lot of good stuff going for you for it. When is a potato not a good thing? Well, you know the answer when you load it up with butter, sour cream, chives, the lawn itself is sequestering carbon, it's producing oxygen, it's uh, filtering toxins out of rainwater. It, environmentally, there's a lot to be said for the lawn. Uh, we get it wrong sometimes when we use chemicals on it, or uh, if you really want to be particular about this, cutting your lawn with a gas-powered mower probably doesn't make as much sense environmentally is using a walk behind real type manual more.
1: What about planting? So is it just a matter of planting things later this year?
2: Yes. Um I mean the simple and straight answer is yes. So people are planting their annuals in the garden. You're you know, petunias and geraniums and the like, they're planting those later. We're putting in our vegetable garden a little later too. I haven't got my tomatoes in the ground yet. And Now we're past May 24th, you know, it's just past us. We normally probably would have had them in the ground by now. But I'm going to wait, not because I'm worried about the frost, uh, but rather the temperature of the soil right now is still so low that no tomato is going to thank you. No hot crop or heat seeker like a tomato, a potato, a pepper, an eggplant, those are all the heat seekers, None of them are going to thank you for putting them in cold uh, soil any more than you would thank me for a cold shower,
0: <laughs>
2: right? Right. But there are a lot of vegetables that do like it cold. So I've got all my carrots in the ground, my peas, my um, all all the gassy vegetables like the broccoli and the cabbage. I've got all the coal crops in Swiss chard, uh, kale. All those things love the cool temperatures of evening, and they don't mind the cool soil either. So back to my original point, there's a lot you can do. It's just a little early for the stuff that really loves the heat. It's not too early by the way to plant up your containers because they're warm. Right? Yep. So your hanging baskets, window boxes, and all the containers around your house or your pool, deck, condo, balcony, it doesn't matter. Those those containers Uh, you could plant up now because they absorb heat so much faster than the ground does.
1: Mark Cullen, thank you so much for this.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
1: That was gardening expert Mark Cullen. His latest book is Escape to Reality, How the World is Changing Gardening and Gardening is Changing the World. It's something every level of government has promised to do and almost everyone would agree with making our environment accessible for people with disabilities. But even if goodwill is there, the execution has been slow. That's why Man in Motion Rick Hansen is launching a new campaign to raise awareness. I chatted with him when he was in town.
3: The first barrier is that people completely underestimate the prevalence of disability and they largely consider it to be uh, only linked to those that are visible and often uh, those in wheelchairs. And our symbols are uh, steeped with that history the stick man in the wheelchair the face of accessibility and people with disabilities is shifting dramatically it's uh, people who have varying mobility uh, challenges that you can't see readily uh, this also people with sensory visual hearing mobility and uh, and then some cognitive uh, concerns as well and so therefore we have to uh, make people realize that it's uh, it's not just that obvious physical disability, and then also come up with more universal standards for accessibility so that it includes as many people as possible that we can actually liberate their potential. So I think that awareness is a big deal, but also uh, there's still a lot of beliefs and stigmas about the fact that people with disabilities, for instance, uh, are a high risk in the workplace and or... That people think it's too costly to accommodate and actually make things accessible and inclusive.
1: So roughly sixty percent of disabled people are employed compared to eighty percent for the general population, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. Think of that in the context. If you mentioned that that was, say, uh, for uh, you know, for for women in our country, it would be. Uh, outrage and a a massive, uh, you know, political issue. It's sort of almost uh, accepted as uh, being, well, that's the way it is. But that's like the Conference Board of Canada has come up with a a report on the economic impact of that issue. And there's about a half a million people who are available to join the workforce if we made uh, our places and spaces accessible Between now and 2030. And so, you know, that's a $17 billion increase to the GDP. That's $4 billion of tax revenue that comes in, not goes out, and $314 billion of consumer spending. And so this is a powerful emerging market and force and opportunity that we have to pay attention to.
1: The number that you're using here for the number of adults who have experienced a physical disability or who live with one, I'm not sure what that means, the number you use is upwards of, of uh, is almost fifty percent that that does seem kind of high
3: yeah and and the, where that's coming from is it also recognizes a couple of things I mean first of all, uh, there is still a big stigma about reporting that you have a disability, so when you're surveyed, there is an inherent bias because uh, people often don't see themselves as disabled, so if you ask the question, are you disabled, they often give you the answer, no. Uh, And then if you answer or ask a different question, you say, "Uh, but tell me, do you have problems with mobility, getting around, um, you know, do you experience barriers or issues? And, and uh, you know, and, and the answer there is, well, yeah, I, I you know, I definitely, I mean, I, I find it's a struggle in my workplace or, you know, I find that it's uh, a challenge, you know, getting onto the bus. Then uh, it, that number jumps dramatically from the one in five or 20 percent towards 50 percent. And then on top of that, of course, there's the aging boomers and their parents who are kind of coming over the hill. And so these numbers are going to increase significantly over the next 20 years.
1: What about this whole issue of people who acquire a disability as they get older?
3: Yeah, and sometimes that can be temporary with uh, a surgery or a temporary illness, perhaps a trauma or an accident, Uh, but it can also be permanent and evolving. And so This is going to be uh, another continuing exponentially larger issue with the same problems. And the same problems are for them being able to have access to and live in place in an accessible home uh, to prevent, hopefully, the requirement to go into uh, an extended care facility as long as possible, to have the ability to actually live, uh, you know, not only in a home, but in a neighbourhood and be welcome and belong and to work and to to contribute as a taxpayer, as a customer and as a citizen.
1: Do you have short-term goals for the result of this trip?
3: Absolutely. Uh, Short-term goal, first of all, is to make sure we launch this awareness campaign, Everyone Everywhere, uh, because we want to get people uh, rethinking and uh, and have that level of awareness about uh, accessibility is a big deal, and we can all do something. We can point out barriers, uh, get measured up, and uh, also we can make a difference.
1: Rick Hansen, thanks so much. Take care. That was Rick Hansen on the campaign to improve physical accessibility in our built environment that brings us to the end of this edition of the zoomer weekend review i'm libby's neimer thanks for joining me today be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things zoomer worldwide
0: you've been listening to the zoomer weekend review produced by mz media limited executive producer moses Nimer, produced by christine ross michelle saunders paul thomas Faz Kazi, and justin ecock